Mr. Derek Veenhoff. He's better known as Deke. Drinking liquor with DJ Deke, we out laughing. Yo, Deke. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm here again with Lalo Degash. Lalo, welcome back. Thanks for having me back, man. It's always a pleasure. It's always great to chat with you. I always feel like I learn a lot. And today I just want to steal your time again and just ask you a bunch of stuff. And maybe you can make me a little bit smarter by the end of this uh, podcast. I have plenty of time to spare. If I had, if I had a nickel for every minute, I, I had a, free, <laughs> I a millionaire. So much free time these days. All right. So I want to, I want to, I'm going to give you a little overview. I want to ask you about Chile, the Chilean elections you've been telling me about. I, I do okay. want to touch on some COVID stuff, some vaccine hesitancy, mandated vaccine stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but I also, I wanted to start with a little bit more of a deep dive on Lalo. I wanted to go back and sort of get a, another a brief overview, perhaps of like your upbringing, your childhood and your, your life, because you've, done a lot of interesting things like tell us a little bit more about it because you've moved around a lot if i'm not mistaken you lived in a family with scientists and physicists in it and of course uh different ethnic uh, identities uh floating around there too well i i i got some attention online let's say i don't want to say popular but attention online when i started doing this in 2015 for talking about islam and i do come from a palestinian background of a palestinian father but i and very guess abnormal for the people who talk about this online. Uh, as far as like people who um, come from some kind of Middle Eastern Arab background, uh, because most people come from very hard backgrounds, very strict parents, very orthodox religious parents, um, conservative parents. And despite my fascination, I can't really relate to anything they talk about because I have wonderful parents uh, who. Uh, are very scientific minded and not religious at all and very liberal probably is still probably the most liberal people I know um in a liberal in a very kind of like do whatever you want kind of a <laughs> kind of way yeah. I guess you could say a little a little bit libertarian but they're not libertarian in the political philosophy sense at all um but uh yeah my parents are uh are very scientific minded my mom was a nurse my father was a physicist, went to uh, UCLA. They moved from Chile to the United States in the 70s. And uh, I grew up in Los Angeles, um, didn't grow up religious. Um, and then uh, when I, uh, I came to Chile when, when I was 12. And then from here, I went to high school, some, some, uh, some university. I actually went to a, co- a communist university in Chile for a couple of years because hmm. um, it was the only university that had film. So uh-huh. I had to go there by default. Um, a lot of people suggested I don't um, because I was American by birth and they thought it was a bad idea. But um, the people at the university were so spaced out from drinking and smoking weed all day that you know, <laughs> it was really no threat. Um, and it was, it was still a very good learning experience uh, being around mainly communists and even some communist teachers who are from Cuba, some of them. And then I went to study, continue my studies in film in Santa Barbara. And then uh, after I finished uh, university in Santa Barbara, I, I moved to Korea where I studied uh, film and Korean language. And then I lived in Japan for a little while, Hong Kong for a little while. And then I came back to Chile where I got my uh, master's in, um, in political science, um, strictly speaking, international relations. 
Um, although the same uh, masters, they changed the name just I was I was graduating to um, political science. Um, you know, a little bit of the same thing. Um, and, uh, since then, uh, you know, I've, I've done some work as, as a translator, uh, for, for some governments and, and here and there, some projects concerning Muslim communities here in Chile. Um, but yeah, no, as, as you know, I can't, I can't ever say that I had any impression, uh, as far as growing up in a household. Um, you know, my, uh, so I wasn't brought up religious at all, and and um, and uh, having a, a father who's a physicist from a grandfather who's a physicist, a brother who's a physicist. Uh, you know, there they my my father also from Palestinian background doesn't come from a, a an Islamic background. They they come from Christian uh, Palestinians. Although my father wasn't religious, and his father wasn't religious. Um, but uh, Chile has the biggest Palestinian community outside of the Middle East, and they're practically all Christian. And most of the Arabs in the West are actually in Latin America, uh, mainly of Syrian, um, Lebanese, and uh, Palestinian uh, background. And, um, and so you, you'll find that most of them are of Christian background, and they came in the early 20th century during the First World War because of uh, the persecution from the Ottoman Empire, forcing a lot of the Christians uh, to force to join uh, the army for the Ottoman Empire. And so a lot of them escaped to many parts of the world, but mainly it was to Latin America. Super interesting, that whole, uh, that whole idea there about... Yeah. Uh, Isn't yeah, it crazy that, that despite how big the, the subject of, is of Islam in the Middle East and Palestinians and all of this, every, like every time I bring up that biggest Palestinian community out in the West is, is in Chile. Biggest Arab community in the world is in Latin America. People don't know that. That, that as, well, as well as the fact about like that most Muslims are Asian just because of the population of a lot of these Asian countries. Is that? I feel like that's a, a fact that's kind of, that has circulated quite a bit. I is feel it like not really true? To, I, I feel like what you're talking about, how like the biggest, uh, the largest uh, Muslim country is Indonesia. And then after that, it's 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 not even uh, countries that are in the Middle East. It's like Pakistan, India, um, and then it would be Iran, which is Shia. Yeah, but Arab. I guess that's a false statement that I'm saying absolute numbers. That's not really the case, is it? What, what is it? What, it like it's not. not is it not the case that the by absolute numbers most uh, like the Asian Muslims of the world outnumber Arab Muslims? Is that not true? The total? I don't. I don't know. I don't mm. know. And mm. it, I guess it would depend on how you define Asian. Because True. if you if you included let's say uh, like Russian Southeast, almost or like like I was gonna say like if you equated yeah. all the ex-Soviet countries which sure. have a, also large Muslim populations that that might be true. But even um, that to say like about Russia too like a lot of like just your average person that doesn't really always know the the sort of demographics religiously uh, of, of countries out there and how it breaks down and that there are you know mm -hmm. we have this in our mind that in the Middle East is um, I mean of course the Middle East is the source of all this uh, the religions anyways but. Uh, Mm. so now to chile i like jumping from that i don't know a lot about chile okay let's be honest okay um now you mentioned your parents left there in the 70s so i know a little bit roughly that there was a lot of um political swinging back and forth from left to right there was like a coup uh sometime around then right and maybe you can enlighten mm -hmm. us on sort of chile's history a bit and bringing it up to now and sort of what's going on 
uh, now at the election. Okay, well, most people know about the coup uh, that occurred in um, in Chile, where uh, Salvador Allende was was uh, was president, elected president uh, of Chile. Um, there are some details there that are lost on people when it comes to Chilean history and the coup and Salvador Allende and that he won the vote and became president democratically. Technically, he he won democratically, 100% true. He did not win with a majority, though, because in those years, there wasn't what's called now Segunda Vuelta, which you have primaries and then you have like the last like two candidates that you, you choose. Back then, uh, you only had one election. And whoever got the majority among various candidates won. So he did not get uh, a majority vote. I think it was around uh, 36% or something like that, Mm -hmm. I want to say. So it's hard to say, you know, had he won if there was, you know, another election just between him and one other person. How very hard to say. Um, I would say probably not, but, you know, that's, you know, for history really to hypothetical history for to decide, right? and so, so there was uh, a coup by uh, Augusto Pinochet. And which was, side was uh, the, of the spectrum was um, the first guy, the guy who got elected? Was he left leaning or, or right wing? Salvador Allende, mm-hmm. the one who was elected. He, he So he was a member of. So this even in Chile, people get a little lost on, on Salvador Allende's politics. OK, so so the thing is, is that Salvador Allende belonged to the Socialist Party. So a lot of people even in Chile will say he wasn't a communist, he was a socialist. Right. That is not true. A Chilean might even tell you this because they say it to me a lot. It's not true. He was a communist because he says he was a communist. Hmm. And he says, I'm a Marxist, I'm a communist. There's videos online of him saying he was a devout Marxist. The thing is, is that in Chile, for many decades, the Communist Party was actually prohibited from running in elections. And this was true from from other countries in Latin America as well. This is why the term socialist and communist is sometimes used synonymously in Chile. I know a lot of people in the West love to say online as a meme, hey, didn't you know socialism and communism is not the same thing? They're right. It's not the same thing. But in places in the world like like, uh, Latin America, they're sometimes used interchangeably because communists had to present themselves as socialists. So and that's where it gets a little murky, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so, the, so what happened also during that time, uh, is that Augusto Pinochet wasn't the general of the military when, uh, Allende was elected. It was another guy named Schneider and Schneider was, wasn't in favor of there being a communist president, but he was very respectful of Chilean democracy. And he had no intention of ousting uh, Pinochet. I'm sorry, ousting Allende. And so the main, so when there was a lot of talk online and through historians, Chomsky, whatever, about America's role in in a in the coup in in Chile on September uh, September 11th, and they almost painted as though the United States military itself performed the coup. And that's not true. It was Chile's coup, the Chilean military's coup. It was a coup that was supported by half the country. The country was extremely divided at that time. There's a documentary called La Batalla de Chile, The Battle for Chile, that's like eight hours long. I think it's like three or four parts. It's 
gigantic. I saw it once when I was in college, the whole thing. It's it's pretty tedious watch. It's not really a documentary. It's more just footage of the time <laughs> interviewing people on the streets. And people were very divided. People were very divided about having uh, Allende as, uh, as president. And they still are divided about that time. About You know, like something, it's it's very hard to know the exact number, but some, I would say maybe less than half are Pinochet supporters and maybe a, a bit above half are, are look at Allende as as a as a, they're Allendistas or the supporters of, of his legacy. Um, but again, people in the West who, when they talk about Chile's history, they paint it very black and white as, as though no, that it, Pinochet was a dictator and no one in Chile would support a dictator and everyone hates him. That's not the case. There are, he has his supporters. He had his supporters then, he has his supporters today. Um, the 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 very uh, nefarious thing I would say that the United States is is that they participated and organized the assassination of Schneider, who was the general at the time. They organized his assassination because he was not interested in doing a coup, and they wanted to replace him with Pinochet, who was interested in doing a coup. And they armed and funded a group of uh, of assassins here in Chile who are Chilean to assassinate Schneider, and they did, and to assassinate a general in a democratic country who has done nothing wrong. Schneider had done no, he, absolutely nothing wrong, right? It was, it, his only crime was being respectful of Chile's d- democracy. It wasn't like a war that, criminal that they, you know. Wasn't they, a war you know. criminal, wasn't, you know, some, you know, you know, uh, committing a genocide or anything. He wasn't Gaddafi, mm-hmm. you know. He wasn't Saddam Hussein, nothing like this. That I think is a very, very dark part of America's history. That mm-hmm. that action, and it's like it's an action. Even the people who are very vocal about uh, the coup in Chile and vocal about being anti-Pinochet, I never hear them talk about it actually. So there, so I see a lot of, despite where they fall on Chile's history, I see a lot of lack of education on the history of this country. Um, there are very dark parts about how what the United States did. Um, well, then Pinochet. You know, um, bombed the La Moneda, which is Chile's White House. Um, Allende committed suicide, which is a point of controversy as to whether he did or didn't. It's been multiple times overproven. He has his own physician who was in who was in the building with him saw him do it or came into the room after he had done it. Um, they have done multiple autopsies of him. He he committed suicide, but there's still a lot of conspiracy theorists about it. Mm-hmm. Pretty much accepted at this point in history that he committed suicide. Um, and, and then in the late eighties, uh, Pinochet decided to hold an election, believing he would win and he lost, he didn't lose by a lot, which is interesting. Another, that's another, he actually had a, a bigger percentage of the country voted for Pinochet at the end of his dictatorship than voted originally for Allende. It's another hmm. point of history, which, you know, a lot of these, uh, these critics in the West, I'll say it's not a thing. I would say they don't know. They don't even ignore or lie about it. They just don't know. Mm. Um, so he still lost and he still, uh, you know, uh, was ousted as as uh, as dictator. And uh, there was a return to democracy, as we call it here. Retorno a la democracia. And uh, since then, for like a, a decade and a half, the perpetual winners of the presidency were left wing. Now, the interesting thing is, is that so there was like, you know, um, Ricardo Lagos, Michel Bachelet. Uh, Bachelet was a, was a socialist party member. 
Um, she's now head of UN Women, I think, or something like that. Just as a sidebar here, during mm-hmm. this time, the 80s and 90s, like, was there which parts or chunks were sort of prosperous? Because I know there's like a very low murder rate, for example. So that, that's what I was. Get, that's what I was going to sure, uh, yeah. make reference to because mm-hmm. a lot of people I see get into debates about Chile and our economy, mm-hmm. and a lot of people attribute it to Pinochet, and that hurts a lot of people uh, on the left. They don't like to hear that. They don't like to hear that this country's economy improved under Pinochet. It did. It's uncontro- it, That's not a point of controversy to me at all. Right. It got better. Uh, the the the, the economy was, you know, going downhill with, with Allende. What happened with Allende is that he took advantage of a law which said that um, if any essential uh, company in the country went to, um, what should we call it, like to when, uh, when, when workers stop working, what's the word? In, a strike. In a, uh, a strike. Huelga in Spanish, yeah. When they go on strike and if it's an essential company for the nation the government has the right to take that company over so what did he do he had connections with all the workers in many big companies and they organized strikes perpetually in company after company all across the nation within a few months Mm. and suddenly the government started taking over companies by law Mm. right same same very very similar thing happened in venezuela with, with chavez started taking over company by company by company by law with with his government. It's what communists love to do, take, take over everything. That's how these guys line their pockets, right? Is that is that the idea? They line their pockets and also they destroy the economy. Yeah. There's no other way around it. They destroy the economy. Pinochet made it better. And that's something a lot of people on the right like to highlight. Hey, the economy under Pinochet got better. It got worse under Allende. True. However, on the other side, after the return to democracy, there was perpetually left-wing presidents. And from the, the early 90s to the mid, like, you know, like 2015 or something like that, it, Chile's economy is very good. And, you know, people like Steven Pinker have highlighted it, you know, what a wonderful economy this is. And it's a very capitalist economy. It's true. But keep in mind, all the presidents have been left-wing. There has since been uh, a, a president uh, who is right wing, although they like to say he's far right. He's not far right. He belongs to a center right party, um, Sebastián Piñera. Uh, I would say he's very center center right. The people people outside see him as more far right because he's a billionaire because he had he did very well in in a, in a company, and uh, so he has a lot of money. But he's a he's a, I would say he he's not very political. He's more like a manager. He's more like CEO. In that sense, he he's not great at actually giving speeches and inspiring people. He's not an Obama. Mm. He's uh, he's very managerial, I would say. I like him in that sense, but in in the sense that of um, of uh, winning hearts and minds, he's not great, he, <laughs> and he hasn't been very great at that. Um, but y- yes, under under let uh, the 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 country has perpetually grown, and a lot of people like to highlight that, but they forget to mention that. The 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 presidents since then, for like two decades now, have been mostly, if almost all, left wing. You know, even socialist party members. But on the other hand, they haven't really gone very radical in their socialist programs. Even Bachelet wasn't very. She belonged to the socialist party. She she didn't impose very socialist programs. Some, mm-hmm. but not a lot. Very. 
very mellow, <laughs> mellow socialist. Mellow socialist light. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The socialist light. So what has happened in Chile is the communist party has been making a comeback. So they, so where did the communist party and, and I've seen this plan play out now for a decade and it's been very methodical and very slow, but it's been very well thought out. What they did is they decided to concentrate on the young, young people. And so in the early 2010 around there, no, this was before, this was like 2008 or six, something like that. There was a, there was a movement called El, 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 El Movimiento Pinguino. So the penguin movement. Hmm. And they call them penguins because Chilean students in high school wear uniforms. So they look like penguins. And they were protesting. And they were protesting for very left-wing kind of socialist programs and for school and things like that. It, it was what it was. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, didn't alter the country all that much. Then there was in around 2011, there was El Movimiento Estudiantil, which, which consisted of university students, which might have been the same people from the, the previous protests. And the interesting thing about these protests is that the organizers were the heads and presidents of student bodies in the universities. Now, these universities don't have a lot of communists in them, but yet the presidents of these of these student groups were communists. A, 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 a very odd amount were communists. Mm. So why is of like student unions, the presidents, communists in universities that are predominantly not communist? And they were also, you know, protesting and, and making demands of, you know, more free education, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, was what it was, what it was, didn't change too many things. But in 2019, in October, there was what's called uh, el estallido social, uh, the kind of social explosion, yeah, kind of hard to uh, translate. Um, and that was with a very large group of mixed people, high school, university, and older people burning everything. This was next level. This is something Chile had not experienced before. In, a, in, in the first night of, this, of these protests, they burned over 50 metro stations. They can they also burned countless supermarkets and other buildings, hmm. churches, uh, hotels, all, all kinds of police stations, everything was starting to burn. The country, the, the country literally stopped. It was the most incredible thing I had ever seen in my life. It, it was actually in a weird way, kind of an amazing personal experience to live through. It's the kind of thing you read about people going through in a book in of right. history huh. to actually see a proper, prosperous country where people are going to the mall and living their lives and going to work. And suddenly the entire country is a ghost town. People mm. are not going out. Streets are closed. There's a curfew. Um, everything just stopped. Mm. And the economy went to hell. Something, you know, I was, I would go to the gym. I'd go to work. It, everything stopped. And essentially students are were holding the country hostage uh at some point you know just to get food i had to go to the supermarket and get food for myself and my and my my parents and i had to wait in in a line to get into the supermarket that would go around the block and they were they and i had to wait hours for them to open because they wouldn't open unless soldiers showed up to protect 
the supermarket because the thing is if it, they would only let in like i think in a very large supermarket 15 people at a time they would work they were worried if they let in more people than that uh protesters would come in and burn the supermarket hmm. um at some point neighborhood watches started to like stand in front of supermarkets with sticks and th- and bats to protect their own supermarkets of their neighborhood yeah. because mm-hmm. if not there was no place to go to get food hmm. um it got it, it, and some of these people were followed home um beaten attacked in their home it got really bad and their goal was just strictly political like align with us it's, or just this needs to change or this it started with so the the el estallido social this started with which with a, a rise in in the metro ticket and it wasn't a very large rise in it um but it, it, it they took advantage of that moment to set this off and it, it was very obvious that this was organized beforehand it wasn't because of the metro ticket rise in price it wasn't because of that this had been planned before and they just they're like okay this is our excuse we're going to do this because when i say like they burn metros i'm not talking in santiago this was across the country and to get possibly hundreds of of students to burn supermarkets and metro stations on the same night that takes organization obviously like you can't just that doesn't just happen Mm -hmm. um it's it's uh become very evident to me i think a lot you know a lot of people in chile would argue that i'm wrong about this i i i i know for a fact i'm right (laughs) but a lot of this has been organized from outside from venezuela and cuba it's it, they they have admitted as much. There are videos of, of Nicolas Maduro saying that his project in Chile is going well. Venezuelans, there's a lot of Venezuelans now in Chile, and they they tell me, of course, this is you know largely coming from Venezuela, which is very sad because most Venezuelans who have come to Chile have come escaping Maduro and Chavismo, and they're very right. they're very very nice people. For one, love them. They're lovely people, and for second, they hate Chavismo and they they. They, they came to this country to escape that, you know, the, the crazy radical leftist uh, movement that was there. Um, and a lot of them were very sad, very sad to see what was happening in this country. And they said, what's happening in your country is what happened to us during what's called El Caracasos, which was their Tayo Sociales, their like kind of revolutionary movement that happened in the mid 80s. And it led to Chavez winning in the late 90s. And, and they said, like, you know, what's happening in your country happened to ours. And you think that what happened in Venezuela won't happen to you. But in the 80s, we said what happened in Cuba won't happen to Venezuela because it can happen because Venezuela was a very prosperous country. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of oil. It was a, it's one it was one of the most advanced countries in Latin America. And now they don't even have toilet paper. It's you know, it's they, they you know, they have to pay, you know, yeah. piles of money to pay for a cup of coffee. Well, I was just going to say like, so Venezuela was really in the news. I want to say, you know, like just pre pandemic uh, with these issues. And then like a lot of things in the news and say in the West here, like we hear about it for a couple months and then it goes away. But like, just because it goes out of the news cycle, doesn't mean that the country is just like fine now. Like it, it comes how, into it, the it, news cycle every like three times a year, maybe twice a year. Is it getting worse? Like, because it's, so, so here, so this is an interesting thing. Venezuela has been getting worse since like 2005. Right. People have been paying attention in the West, I think to Venezuela 
since maybe I want to say 2014, 2015. Two, two, uh, I was going to say 2015, 14, something like that. Yeah. I started studying very profoundly about Venezuela in like 2009 when I started doing my master's. Hmm. And the the thing about Venezuela and any communist country that that goes towards communism, you'll find the same effect every time. And that's this. Communists take over. The country has a sharp rise in its economy. That will last about, if you're lucky, five years, but maybe three years, three or five years. And then it'll tank and it'll keep tanking. Why is that? Because what social, hard, you know, fundamentalist, radical socialists and communists do is that when they take over, they grab everything. They, they take over the companies, they take over the gold, the wealth, they grab everything and they spend it all. Even the socialists and, and communists in Chile have the same philosophy. Spend today everything. Mm -hmm. Make everything free. Give people all the money. There's the money there. Use it. They, there's no concept in their heads of saving for a rainy day. So what happens in every communist revolution, you'll see a very sharp spike up of the economy because suddenly they take all the wealth that has been built up thanks to capitalism. And then they'll spread it out. And then since there's no more capitalism creating capital, because what people on the left are good at is spending. What they're not good at is creating wealth to spend. Right. And that's why I, I truly believe there, there, there is a, a, a balance where you need both sides. A lot of people hate the right or they hate the left. I believe that you need both. You need to spend, but you need to create the wealth to spend it. And that's why you also need the right who are, who, you know, say they're greedy and this and that. They're the ones creating the wealth, though. Mm -hmm. they're, they're the ones creating the wealth. You, you need to create wealth. And to create wealth is difficult. Um, and so, well, that, that's, that's the phenomenon of what has happened in Venezuela. And after, after about 2003 or five, the, the economy went straight down and it's been going down and it's gone all, always downward. People like to say, you know, the economy is getting bad because of sanctions. It started to get bad a decade before the sanctions. Right. The, right. People are like, oh, well, the, since the sanctions of like 2015, the, the country is, has gone downhill. It started going downhill in 2005. You just didn't care. Yeah. You just weren't paying attention. Right. The country was there. You just weren't looking at it. And yeah. also the sanctions are not against the economy. It's against politicians and their particular wealth. That's another thing. Um, and the United States is one of the, its biggest buyers of, of oil still. And has always been. Never, you know, I, I think Trump maybe tried to stop buying, but I don't think it'll last very long. Um, well, anyway, getting back to Chile is so during this time where I said the whole country had stopped, the president was, uh, is, and, and was at that time, uh, Sebastián Piñera, you know, the center right president who's detested by, by the left. And he had an idea of how to end this, you know, kind of social, uh, movement that was, had basically paralyzed the country and its economy. It was a terrible idea and it will possibly be a mistake that will hurt Chile for the next hundred years. He decided that he is going to offer that the Congress approve 
the writing of a new constitution for the country. Damn. And at first, interestingly enough, the far left was against it, even though they had been asking for this for well over a decade, decades, really. Hmm. Um, so the Congress met one night and the next morning with the absence of the Communist Party because they wanted no part of it, they approved uh, the writing of a new constitution. The way it will be done is extremely strange. It's not how any constitutions are written. <laughs> and I don't understand why it was done this way. They decided that common citizens will write the constitution. That a group of like- uh, Twitter, um, tweeters. Tweeters. <laughs> you really? say that, but I'm not, but, but <laughs> no kidding. Like you see some of these people, they look like they're 20 years old, oh you know, God. shaved heads and piercings all over their face who are going to write the constitution of this country. It's, it's awful. It's awful. I would have preferred, honestly, that it be written by the Congress. I don't care what party they are. Right. But it be written by politicians who understand law. Hmm. Uh, explicitly, you can't be a politician and be a part of this group that's going to write it. It has to be regular citizens who are elected by the people to write it. Hmm. So you can imagine just like people from being popular can now write a constitution for a country. Wow. You know, imagine like people from Twitter and Instagram, you know, running for an election to write the new constitution of, let's say, the United States or Canada. TikTok. And, you know, from popularity, you know, um, and they're going to they're going to write it. And that's what's happening right now. And and, and, and you can imagine what happened. It's it's a mess because because they already had the election for the candidates who are going to who are going to write the constitution. So they already began. I think they're about a month in. And it is, there's no other way to say it. It's a shit show. It is the biggest shit show I have ever seen. They, they, is, so I thought it was going to be more like they're going to elect them and they're going to go into a building, maybe the Congress into a room and they're going to write it out, yeah, study, yeah. you know. No, that's not what happened. It, it's a circus. The, 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 the uh, journalist can be there the entire time and and interview people there, there there's cameras all the time so you can imagine what happens people are begging for attention they're making all kind of political statements people have already resigned as uh, authors of the new constitution because they're sick of the fact that nobody's working they're just making political statements all day right. and looking and looking at the camera and making another political statement about this and that and no work is being done. They haven't written anything. <laughs> and they're they're very much bound probably to not write anything at all. And if they do write, it's probably going to be rushed and it's going to be garbage. Um, I don't know what the Congress is going to do when they have to um, uh, ratify the Constitution. Right. right. I really think there's a possibility that the Constitution might end up in on Congress floor and they might say like, we can't ratify like, What this. the hell is this? <laughs> this will ruin the country if we do it. It was a... You know, it's a crazy thing because constitutions are not written that way. They're mm. really not, you know. Mm. Um, it's a process. I don't know where, where they got this process to do it this way. Um, the history of like the American constitution, right, with the founding fathers, as they're called. It's a very elitist founding of a constitution, right? It was educated, wealthy. Although they, were, although they were young at the time. They young, were young at the young-ish. time, but they... They were, you know, landovers. Some, some of them were slave owners. They were old they were, for their time, but they're young you know, to us. Like, they had been ambassadors in, in, in Europe and things like this and mm-hmm. studied Voltaire. 
it's you know you could say it's a very elitist writing of a, of a constitution mm-hmm. but they were very smart and i think that's why americans almost fetishize the founding fathers right well, they do fetishize them and maybe going to the level of fetishizing them is too far but it can't be understated what an amazing document they wrote right 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 U- it, it, unique it and important is. on the world stage yeah. in history imperfect maybe you know this it, sure. it's caused a, there's still problems it causes today they didn't eliminate slavery they you right. know the right to bear arms has shown to be like you know very complicated thing yeah et cetera et cetera but at its base yeah it's it's a really good you know writing of a, of a political document it's probably one of the most brilliant things yeah. ever written in the history of when man. you can compare it to other nations which are we it's know just a are. very yeah. It's a very hard thing to write, you know, the base laws for a society. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, what, what really do we need to make it function? And they had to have studied the trial and errors of so many societies to have written that. Uh, and I, people in Chile who are writing this constitution yeah. are not up to the task. I was just it's, thinking this is maybe a dumb thought, but like the founding fathers, probably when they wrote it, they were probably like, this is pretty sick. But it's maybe not perfect. It's probably going to be misconstrued. But let's just, you know, we got a time limit on this thing. Let's put it out. You know what I mean? Like, they probably weren't like, this is the perfect constitution. Oh, I'll, uh, yeah, I think you're definitely right. Yeah. I think you're definitely right. I think it's, it's like the any other document yeah. at, under, like, any other document. Like, I remember, if I understand correctly, the, um, the fact that they couldn't eliminate slavery was a compromise they had to make with the South, Right. Because the, the the slave owners in the South were so powerful and they made so much money, they never would have allowed like uh, that to be the Constitution. Otherwise, you know, m- maybe I, I I don't know like uh, specifically that much about about history, but there's, there's some things I, I have read. Um, again, imperfect, and like you say, they might have written and been like, "Oh, I wish we had like ten more days." <laughs> <You> <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. You know, yeah. if I could if I could just get into like you know Saturday, this would be perfect. <laughs> Something you yeah. can imagine them saying things like that. But yeah. but yeah, it was for what it was. It, it was a very good document, and I and I um and I'm very scared for the future of Chile with, with this. And at the same time, right now we're going through presidential elections. Right. Okay. So that's and, the yes. Yeah, and it's so God. Chile is very complicated. You have to remember, it's a small country. So, for example. We don't have like Gallup poll like in the United States or Pew Research. You know, when mm. polls are done here, it's not done by impartial organizations. So, mm. for example, during for many months now, the polled top candidates was a far right candidate and a far left candidate who was communist. They went into primaries and they lost miserably to an opponent on the left and on the right by a lot so the polls were very off Hmm. so it turns out chile is much more center than the polling told us it was and maybe that's on purpose maybe it is the idea to make us think that chile is very extreme you know that that people want an extreme left winger or or an extreme right winger um i even think that maybe the the polling which was done by left-wing organizations polled that the far left winger was the most popular to help him win and polling that the most popular right-wing candidate was a far right-winger would help the left-wing candidate because it would create fear in the left, right? It's like, you better vote for this communist because if not, you're going to get a far rightist. Mm-hmm. Neither happened. You got a cent- You got a, a, a more center, not, not cent- he is not center, Gavir Boric, the one who won. He is more to center mm-hmm. and, and a more centrist right-winger won. 
Now, the, actually, the center left didn't even put place candidates in that in that primary. They can have their own primaries. So a lot of people I saw like from the outside in the West analyzing Chile's elections, and they would say, "Oh, the person who ran is very left wing." Yeah, because only the far left ran. <laughs> the the yeah. central left didn't even run. So it, again, like you know, politics in other countries like Chile, when looked at from outside. People say things and they're twisted, and it, it and so it it actually makes me always now wonder about the news I'm getting about another country. Yeah, as far as how true it is, because I see how twisted information gets from Chile to the outside. Well, I'm looking at it and I can see it in more profundity, and I can see like deeper into it and see how it's getting twisted in the outside because mm -hmm. I live in Chile and I follow international news. And a lot of people in Chile don't follow international news. They follow the national news. But I like to, I like to follow international news and the national news. And I will show people around, you know, oh, look at this article in, in the New York Times or, or Sky or whatever it is and say, look at how, how they're reporting about Chile. And they said, that's insane. That's not what's happening. You know, that's a total twist of, of the facts. And yeah, but, you know, how, how are they getting their facts? I, I don't know. Yep. Is it, and I don't even know if it's agenda. Some people would say, well, these um, news organizations have an agenda. It's just, Maybe, it's just wrong. It's just incorrect things. Sometimes, yeah. but it, oh, sometimes, you know, they'll get information about Chile, for example, uh, from a source, right? Mm -hmm. They'll contact somebody in Chile or in the West who is from Chile or, or studies Chile, but they have a political bias. And they'll twist things the way they want, and then they'll give it to a news organization, well, and they'll present that as This true. even happens with Canada and the in America. Like, in the States, sometimes there'll be a story about Canada or, say, Ontario and the province I'm in, and it's, like, just totally factually incorrect. But then it's just something that's pertaining to that day, so you don't really English. remember it. People can so, check. Yeah. Imagine, imagine when you can't even check because it's not in the same language for people, right? Imagine when it's from an Arab country, right? Exactly. Or, or a Southeast Asian country where people can't check the information. Imagine mm -hmm. if it happens with Canada where anybody could Google, you know, the information in Canada and it's there and they can read it. Yeah. It, it gets really bad when it's. So, like, should we be worried about the uh, election for Chileans? Uh, what's How's this going to go? Chile's future is very uncertain i have no idea what's gonna happen here because at one point you were concerned but is your concern now waning a little bit or are you just not sure I, i'm very concerned but i also it's not a concern because i know what's gonna happen it's a concern because i have no idea what's gonna happen right chile could go back to normal as it was uh, you know with a prospering lot of immigrants coming to chile from venezuela and brazil and colombia um it could, you know maybe maybe a a center right candidate or a central left candidate will be elected who's very kind of more status quo and wants the country to go back on track to its prosperous ways um and maybe the constitution will be you know written well enough that it doesn't cause too much damage and everything will be fine hmm. or maybe they'll elect some psycho who's going to want to you know <laughs> expropriate property and and businesses and they're going to write a constitution that says you know, if the government wants to take over your, your property, they can and things like that. Hmm. Especially property is the biggest danger. 
the take taking over of property is very dangerous. It's well, in the Constitution yeah, and as a president. That's one of the big things, right? There's this uh, new dictator series on Netflix, which is kind of cool. I don't know if you saw some of that, but I haven't uh, seen it yet. I know which one you're talking it's about. It's pretty well done. They kind of do it in a bit of a unique way, but um, you know, they go through Saddam, Hitler, of course, all the the big guys, and uh, I think they talked about Iraq a lot there, where um, that was one of the first things where they just created these millionaires overnight because. Uh, the Bathists, uh, because they just started, uh, you know, taking over things and, uh, yeah, lining their pockets. Bathists were basically modeled uh, Islam after Nazism. Right. That's it was it was the idea of of of, uh, of a racial supremacy or Islamic su- supremacy, demonizing Jews and uh, and and an ultra nationalism. In, in Iraq. Saddam so, was a scary guy, man. I, I was pretty young when they when they um, hung him on television. And I remember how crazy it was to see because I'm pretty sure it wasn't like on liveleak.com. Like it was on TV, you know? Like maybe they didn't show they didn't show when he actually fell, but they showed him hanging with the rope on his neck. Yes, I think you're right. I think and then they, they cut act- to they cut away. But they're, they're, so they didn't actually show when he hung. But then it was leaked, right? Somebody had actually oh, recorded it and live leaked it. Right. But what I mean is, yes, I was yeah, even but, surprised that on, on TV, they would show the guy with the thing. And I I forget, I must have been, maybe I was 13, 14. It, it still 15. bugs me to this day how mainstream the idea is, is that Iraq and Saddam didn't have weapons of mass destruction. It, yeah, like it was all lie. Yeah, they were all, they, it was... That 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 is a, a topic that I I can't fix because it's too it's too believed it's it's too out there, uh, and it's too like common knowledge that he didn't have weapons of mass destruction, and that's what the the narrative is in in media that he didn't have it it was a lie, and that's the end of it, but it's not true it's simply not true. Well, so what is the truth? Because he, he did have some, but they did they did lie about knowing. It's literally that they... a, a a misconception of, of a term. That's all oh. it is. Okay. So weapons of mass destruction, people say they didn't find nuclear weapons. Hence, there was no weapons of mass destruction. Right. You don't know what weapons of mass destruction are then. He had weapons g- of mass gas. destruction are is either can be viral, mm-hmm. it can be gas, it can, you know, bacterial, it can be it can be uh nuclear. Um and a hundred percent it's known he used gases against the Kurds. Yeah, right. You just mentioned the fact that when he hung, right? Do you know why he hung? Do you know why they, they gave him the death penalty? His crime was the genocide and the right. use of chemical weapons against the Kurds. That was the the the, the sentence they gave him. Mm-hmm. He uncovered the graves, mass graves of Kurds that he used these weapons on. They found them. They studied them. He said, you committed a genocide against the Kurds. And right. that is the reason they hung him. So even by law, it's confirmed that he committed genocide and he used weapons of mass destruction. Mm-hmm. But because people think that nuclear weapons and weapons of mass destruction, destruction yeah. are synonyms, which they're not, that, that's it. You know, it people is, are going to believe that. It is forever. weird because it's like, it's, it ties into the whole, we went to the wrong country after 9-11 but right you can right. have that opinion people can have the opinion if they want but that, they went to both they, countries though they, they went can, to they, afghanistan if and somebody Iraq. wants to say they 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 said they had nuclear weapons and they didn't okay i can accept that it's fine you know they that's that is true they said they had they were they had nuclear weapons that was said by 
by people in the Bush administration. Colin Powell. Colin Powell said it, and they didn't find any. 100% true. I'm, I'm, I, I don't deny that. Uh, if they want to say that the war was not beneficial and the United States shouldn't have gone, I can accept that. That's all like you're, you're welcome to have those opinions and, and highlight those facts. But that doesn't. But the fact that they didn't find nuclear weapons doesn't mean they didn't have weapons of mass destruction. And people like Christopher Hitchens are constantly demonized for having supported the war in Iraq against Saddam. Right. And as if he's some Islamophobe. Right. Now, if you want to disagree with him, you're welcome to. What you're not welcome to do is misrepresent why he supported the war in Iraq. And it is because he was a huge supporter of the Kurds. He was talking about the Kurds before every, anyone in the West and the United States had heard about the Kurds. Why do people hate the Kurds? Because, you know why? <laughs> why, do, you know, why do people hate the Jews, Lalo? You know why people hate the Kurds? Because they're actually a good reason to actually help people in the Middle East. Uh, you know? and, and, and they're just and, a minority that's oppressed by it's, various. It's so sad. The, the situation of the Kurds is so sad because they've been screwed over so many goddamn times by the United States and its military and its mm. administrations promising that if you help us fight in the Middle East against some dictator and we'll give you this we'll, we'll, give you that, we'll or... support you and we'll help you have your own country and that has been promised to them over and over and over and they keep fighting with and us but they don't get shit calling for the lies mm. and and you know Trump said he was going to abandon the Kurds and you know I actually when he said that I think it was one of the few times that actually people on the right and left actually thought uh, in unison said that's a bad idea mm. you know maybe there's some people who are in agreement but I saw a lot of People saying like that's really sad. He really shouldn't do that, and yeah. uh, and I agree. I agree. When it comes to to a lot of things, the United States has a lot of bad policies, but supporting the Kurds should be should have been like much higher mm. in its priorities. And it's very sad how how many how much they've been screwed over. A lot of people talk about the the damage that the United States has done in the Middle East, and and uh, very few people who talk about that will mention how the United States has made a lot of. Uh, false promises mm. to the to the Kurdish people. All right. Well, we've covered a lot of Chilean politics, international politics and that. But let's talk about everybody's favorite topic, COVID-19 and you vaccines. Just, you just got demonetized on the right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever been monetized. We're like, uh, <laughs> we're such a rogue uh, podcast here. Right. Um, so there's obviously a lot to talk about, but let's touch on a few things now. We're in this quasi event horizon end of the pandemic, which you've mentioned has been coming every month uh, since the pandemic started. The end of the pandemic is on its way. We have a lot of vaccine uptake in a lot of countries uh, here in Canada. It's just hit 80 percent with one shot. Uh, we're looking at perhaps 85 in the end with one shot. Uh, if we can get to the right people, uh, second shots are a little lagging, but we've got a lot of vaccine. They're throwing out vaccines in the States. They're throwing out vaccines in Canada. Some, not too many. Um, the Delta variant spread like chicken pox. Uh, this new thing is that, uh, you know, vaccine people who've taken the vaccine can spread covid and so the anti-vaxxers and the hesitant are saying well that means i don't need to get it nobody needs to get it but the cdc report that just came out says rarely it says rarely it doesn't say oh i don't even think the report is out to be honest it's a it's a leak 
but we let's get into all of it because I also want to talk about why. Why is everything that people say about COVID always black and white, total or not? Like it, so I've gotten so like I, I find it amazing how I'm not going to use the word nuance, but just that people don't understand percentages, right? People just seem to think either something works or it doesn't. It yes. happens or it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, it's hundred yeah. percent or it's zero. Yeah, like when people talk about anything, it's about how it spreads or or getting vaccinated. You know, th- does getting vaccinated protect you against COVID? And people seem to be highlighting particular cases of vaccine breakthrough cases. Yeah. Like people getting people vaccinated, people getting sick from COVID. And I've seen people talk about these cases in shock as if, oh, my God, look there. A person who got vaccinated got COVID. Yeah. yeah, Can you believe it? I'm like, um, when they announced the vaccines, they were talking about 80 percent effective, 90 percent effective. Yeah. Do people yeah. not understand? It's not 100%. 80 or 90% effective means that some percentage of people who get vaccinated are going to go. Do people not get that? No, and they don't. They said and it from day one. I'm just going to say, you know, the thing is, these misunderstand. The problem here is that when you have one small misunderstanding, it's a it's a cascading effect of many misunderstandings because they all relate to one another. So what you just said about the, the vaccine efficacy it also relates to the spread. And, and, and if it's true that unvaxxed spread it more easily, right? It's not, it's, people are trying to make it like this thing's it's equal that if you get the shot, you can spread it just as easy. It's not no, the it, case. It goes, so, it goes down by like almost half. Right. The, the, so the, 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 the amount of spreading of, a, of people who are vaccinated is about half of what people who are look at look at the look at the cases look at the case numbers like that yeah you know oh well the case numbers of people in hospitals who are vaccinated versus unvaccinated is it all i mean it's like 95 you see in any country in chile it's like 95 so in chile it's like 95 percent of people who are in urgent care are unvaccinated the other five are mostly people who only got one shot or recently got the second shot. And it's amazing to me that how many people say also, oh, that person who got vaccinated got sick. Now, for one, they always said from day one that vaccinations isn't 100% of, of the population. Some amount of people will still get sick from yeah. COVID, even if you get vaccinated. Second, are they vaccinated with one shot or two? And even if it's two, there's a time of about two weeks where you're still mm-hmm. not immunized from getting COVID. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so even if you got one shot, even if you got two shots, you still can get COVID and very sick, right? It still takes time. Even when I got my second shot, I still had to be careful, very, you know, more careful than I, than I usually am and do a lot of quarantine for the next two weeks mm-hmm. after. And then it's like, okay, mm-hmm. now I'm yeah. vaccinated. Now I have immunity. Right. So, but and let's just throw this all let's just throw this stuff in the bucket here and then we'll figure it all yeah. out. We have the mask mandates on off on off. But the thing that people also make black and white is, is it the masks or is it the shot? Which one is it? You know, and it's like it's both. It's seatbelts and airbags like it's it's not one of the other multiple ways helps. to yeah, yeah, everything yeah. helps. Everything helps. Yeah. Lockdowns help. Social distance help. Mass help. I, I, I don't understand this attitude of being like anti-mask and, and, and these things like the, the people, these, these people, these are people who love to dog on leftists and liberals and progressives as saying, you're so weak. 
you would have never been among the the soldiers who would have stormed the beaches of Normandy. Mm-hmm. They have a fetish for the soldiers who was who, oh who, yeah who invaded the beaches of no- Normandy. Constantly, it's brought up. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, well, can you just wear a mask then? If you know, if you're so into like be, being strong and tough, like can you not like wear? They, just they like, have the mask? opening scene of uh, Saving Private Ryan like on repeat, just that first like ten yeah. minutes. And they fetishize these are the are the strongest men of all time. These men who lost limbs and had PTSD and depression, you know, for the and trauma for the rest of their lives mm-hmm. are are some of the strongest men in history. Yes, they are. Doesn't mean they 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 came home and they just walked with their you know chest puffed out like I'm a man. I'm a manly man and nothing's wrong with me. No, these people, the the people who went who you know stormed the beaches normally probably cried when they got there and they probably cried the next day. And they probably had a, not, a lot of nights where they cried afterwards too. So it's uh, yeah, all this stuff is uh, very easily debunkable. And, you know, I want to make a point about debunking in general. Okay. And this is made all the time by people like yourself and debunkers around the internet that every day a new thing comes out and the anti-vaxxers want to take that and see, ah, aha, you know, this proves finally once and for all that our, our side is correct, but it gets debunked. And then they just move on. And then if you've debunked a hundred things, like you gotta, why not side with the side that's been right a hundred times? Not the side that's been wrong a hundred times, but they'll just say, oh, it's okay that we've been wrong a hundred times because we have this new thing that just came along that we're saying, you know, disproves that vaccines work or, you know, the vaccines work in quotations. And it's just this, this thing where it's like, people need to sort of just check which, basket of facts has not been debunked if that makes any sense i i I really you know the thing with debunking is like i i don't think there is any debunking because a lot of what they say isn't coming from facts it's more like attitude it's more like this this kind of thing where like i have a perfect immune system and and i'm so tough and i can handle covid and i don't need a vaccine and it's just well, again, and, and, and we get and, yes. and there's also like you're right, the downplaying of the numbers of, of, of COVID start, you know, they've it's been going on from day one. You know, they it started with the people who I called the flu truthers that who claimed that the flu was worse yeah. than than uh than COVID. Um, you know, you had like people like uh Candace Owens who posted like, oh, uh, look at look at the numbers in the United States right now when COVID had just arrived, you yeah. know, the first weeks. Right. And, and she said, look at the numbers. We said, what about like the the 60,000 people who died, who die of the flu every year? OK, so the number she posted was 61,000. That's like the highest number in mm-hmm. a year mm-hmm. um, in the last decade was 61,000 people. The lowest number was actually 12. These are mm-hmm. estimated numbers. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, most years it's like 20 or 30, sometimes 40,000 people. Die, uh, die of the flu in the United States mm-hmm. in 2020. It was 375,000 people who died of COVID, right? And is she is she going to backtrack on that? I still haven't seen her do it, and I still no. see people downplaying. And I still see people even flu truthing, saying like the flu is worse. I still see this. Well, stuff. I was going to say, I still, I still, I still see, see people sp- like uh, people saying that the numbers are being skewed, yeah. and not that many people are dying of, of COVID. It's like they ran out of wood in India to burn their dead in the streets. Yeah, like, India is bad now. Now, but with India, we have this new phenomenon, and I don't understand what the explanation is yet. But that, like, the cases have like plummeted, or deaths or cases—I don't, I don't remember which. 
But uh, yeah. if you look at India's graph right now, and, and I, I'm not surprised, you know, you know, probably why that is. Why? Be- because the people who got COVID most are all died. dead. Yeah, probably died. Yeah, that's the because the thing is, in the United States people who got COVID were probably healthy enough to go to hospital and get treatment. But these people are all be- just like and, and probably were, or probably were, you know, they're also probably in better health. Also, because that's another thing when people talk about like the death rate of COVID. Yeah, COVID doesn't have a death rate. There's no such thing. Not really. You can you can look at the number of people who have died and the yeah. rate of people who have gone sick versus the people who have died. Mm-hmm. But that's not a death rate of exactly how many people die who from get this disease. Yeah, no, exactly. that depends on how many ventilators you have. That depends on how, hospital like, capacity. Your hospitals. Is, that depends on the amount of obesity and skills of the doctors country. involved. Uh, the health, the overall health of people in a country, right? The yeah. access to healthcare, mm-hmm. right? And and even in countries with really good health care they still have to turn some people away and they run out of ventilators mm-hmm. imagine countries third world countries where people have don't have health care they don't have like hardly any mm-hmm. ventilators they have or fact or let's say throw in vaccines and masks and throw in vaccines well. and vax you know or they live in very these these buildings right where they're all squished together or like also, italy italy at the beginning right italy at the beginning it was said that they got really bad in italy at the start because a lot of families live all together mm-hmm. you know multi-generational families live in one home same thing in latin america and i'll guarantee it's the same thing in places like india right i want to make a point here and i'm mm-hmm. i'm gonna not without calling people stupid i just want to say i know that like yelling louder at the other side is not correct and calling people dumb or stupid is not correct and i'm, I'm I, I would not call people stupid i would just say that myself included it's it's actually kind of hard to wrap your head around these 10 to 14, 16 different things and and sort of put them all together and analyze them. And and that's why we have professionals and epidemiologists, people who who go to school, who have the brains that are sort of made for this stuff that can parse through all this data. Like, you know, it's tough to think of all these factors, like, like different countries, why, why these, uh, you know, things um, behave differently and, and outcomes are different. Uh, it's it's not for the average yeah. person to to understand this stuff. Well, that's another reason that I'm also more in favor of uh, mandatory vaccination because I I don't think that you can leave these things like a pandemic up to, to the people. Uh, like you, you people talk and I've seen articles now being posted about how to convince people to get vac- vaccinated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, okay, you let's say you you trust me. Up, I've been trying, man. It doesn't work. I've been trying. I've been trying everything. It doesn't work. But here, here's here's the thing. Let's say, but let's say it does work. Mm. But how much does it work? It's you need one percent, maybe. You need vaccinations of upwards of eighty five percent of a population to really make a difference. That's what you need. In in a lot of countries, including in, in Chile and, and um, in the United States, you have huge amounts of people who are anti-vax and don't want to get vaccinated or putting it off at least. Let me just say it, before it, you, it, in Canada, it's we think it's going to be eighty-five. Well, we're yeah. the number one country that's getting vaccinated. Like we're killing it. We're on the top. I think we're beating Israel now, and it's still not quite like we're worried in, in Ontario if we're even going to hit the mark for the final reopening like it's it's just getting there for the number one country so how would any other country so go on yeah i know that that um what was i saying Uh, my bad i interrupted you uh just that you know you need 85 percent you need need 85 percent and but even if you convince let's say five percent more with your 
with your motivating uh, campaigns, right? Motivational campaigns. Let's be, let's go door to door. Let's uh, put, you know, TV commercials. Let's have Fauci talk to, to people, whatever it is. Okay. You bumped it up another five or 10%, something like that. Let's say, I don't believe they can even get that much, but let's say they do. It's, is it enough, right? Like at some point you need people to get vaccinated and there's some people who are just not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And they're, there's nothing you can really say to them to convince them otherwise. They are locked in that position. And as far as, you know, mandatory vaccinations, you know, babies have to get all kinds of <laughs> mandatory vaccinations, you know, uh, vaccination for TB, you know, tuberculosis and shit, that's, that's obligatory. You have to get it. It's like, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, vac- vaccinations you, you have to get. A lot of people say, well, this is untested and, and, and you know, I'm FDA about approval, uh, yada, yada. Right. But then it's like, well, are you worried about COVID? No, I'll be fine. My immune system is healthy. It's like, I, I that's where I don't understand. I don't understand like people's, the, people have this bombastic uh, pride about their immune system and how it'll fight off COVID. They don't know how, they don't know anyways. Of how, course they, they, they How are they testing their immune system? They don't know. There's a lot of now cases of people who have been on Twitter or podcasts. They're very anti-vax and they've gotten sick and died. They're, they're still, yeah, they're, they're there begging one, for the vaccines. There was one guy on, on Twitter who was very young, um, I think 30 or something like that, or early 30s, saying, uh, I got 99 problems at the vaccine one. Yeah, he, and he was he, doing he died. And he got sick and he asked people to pray for him and he died. And he died. And and that's very sad. And he if he had gotten vaccinated, he probably would have been okay. Because But you know what the other side says is we're gloating now. It's that's gloating and it's terrible what we're doing, pointing out that he died. This is this shouldn't be a story. I've seen that yada yada yada. I've seen I, okay, I've seen that. I, I've seen that that argument made. Do these people not point out when people get sick from 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 uh from the vaccine? Every single oh, time. Every single time. Every single time. That's the what really that's the really thing about these people, man. Like you say they're stupid. The stupid part doesn't bug me so much. It's the hypocrisy. No, I, I said there. I didn't say they're stupid. I, oh, you, I, I know. brought up the you word. You don't stupid. say they're. You don't. You don't say they're stupid. Yeah. I'll say they're stupid. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not only are they they the horribly ignorant and stupid, but to some degree, I would even say evil. Some of them were are just flat out bad, right? Some of Man. them are 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 really just blase. That are very lack empathy for other people. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and, and, but the, what bugs me the most in any of those other things is just the goddamn hypocrisy of yeah. anything they say, you could throw it back at them because they're doing the exact goddamn same thing, just like that. And it, I see it constantly and constantly. Like they, 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 uh, like to brag about their immune system and, and they like to say every person who talks about COVID and the numbers of people are dying are fear mongering. Yeah. And, and then it's like, but then their next post is fear mongering about, about the vaccine vaccines, yeah, and saying how people are getting sick and how like they're scared of being sick. But if you're scared of getting sick from COVID, you're a whiny, uh, fear mongering weakling. You know, it's it's and, and then you okay. have the also the misunderstanding of numbers and percentage in the VAERS system and Charlie Kirk we went on here saying fake numbers, which is like this many in, in the Brett Weinstein's a whole another saga, which I'm gonna have a couple people on soon from the Twitter sphere that has been criticizing Brett Weinstein very accurately. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know a lot about what he's been saying. I saw a couple things. Yeah, there's some really I'm cool. Not, people I, on I'm not going to waste my time on that. No, guy no, no. But I, that's I, why I, I have never respected. The, no, no, no. But uh, it, so for listeners, anyway, they'll they're here. Um, 
some interesting couple. I got some doctors and scientists coming on and some cool guys that kind of have been I digging think, into that. And so. I do think it's a really good thing that you're going to do that because unfortunately, people like Brett Weinstein has a lot of followers. And yeah. if they listen to him and they don't get vaccinated, you know. Which they're vaccinated, by the way. All these people who like all these like isn't it tucker isn't fox you know, news don't they have to require they're required let me be... let me tell you something like i would bet money yes. that well over 90 percent of politicians and conservative commentators who are, are anti-vaxxed online are vaxxed. yep yep because no they're making it about well yeah like if if they ever got to the point where they let the truth out their defense would be well that was my choice to do it but these people don't have to do it if they don't want to, you know, but, but when you ask them, they say that's against my HIPAA rights, like this Marjorie Taylor green uh, character, or they'll say something, you know, I don't have to answer that, but you're right. I, I totally agree. What, what, what are you going to do? Yeah. I don't know. So, so speaking of mandatory vaccinations, uh, you predicted it. And I mean, I would say it's coming, not in the form of, okay came sooner than actually i predicted yeah it came sooner um like in canada you know we're 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 kind of pussyfooting we're on the fence in a lot of places about it but the form of mandatory vaccinations that is coming is this concept of hey if you work in the healthcare system here in this region you uh we're not going to mandate it, but if you don't want to, you're going to have to get tested before it be shipped. Or if you want so to gonna... live on campus on a university, yes. you have to get vaccinated. Yeah, my, if you're part of the military, you have to get vaccinated. If you're part of the police, you have to get yeah, vaccinated. Yeah. Right, yeah. And, and it'll it'll go to um other concerts and things like that, I think. Um yeah. I know we just had Lollapalooza in the States, and I I heard there was some rules and some restrictions, but I don't remember what they were. I don't I don't know much about they, it. I don't I know if you saw I the heard, videos. They had a I heard thousand that you had people. to uh, show that you had been vaccinated to go. Perhaps yeah, I, I, I should yeah, look into I that. Really but, don't know. Yeah. but so you predicted it, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's coming true. But I, I do believe you know Biden now is encouraging you know states to give a hundred dollars to every person that that gets. And I I agree with you that I don't think places are going to reach their sort of necessary. That goals might convince some it. people. I mean, a lot of people are just maybe on the fence about it. Not everybody's just a hard, hardcore anti-vaxxer, maybe. Yeah. No. Totally. Um, yeah. Totally. Yeah, because it was like in Chile, it was a it was a significant amount of people. There was there was two groups of people not getting vaccinated. There was those who said I'll never get it, and the people who said I'll wait. And if you can convince the people who are all wait to get it sooner, you know, and maybe that's not as hard as the people who are firmly anti-vax. So there, you know, there is uh, some good that can be done, you know, with incentives. I don't know if money is the best solution. Maybe um, that you know, a hundred dollars is a lot for a lot of people. So that might help, you know, uh, get few thousand they should retroactively give the hundred bucks because like you know for the people who got it first they should get 200 put in their account you know something like that um so how do we what what about this like whole concept that we got the who the cdc yeah public health agencies of every different country with their own you know and of course the people are their backtrack and the science changes and how do we in the future is there gonna maybe have to be some sort of like that that, that the who admit, is that, supposed to that's be where that, conservatives but. are tr- are are saying something true the the messaging from it's terrible ma- major organizations that even other countries depend on because chile for example pays a lot of attention to what the who says the cdc says mm-hmm. uh you know what what health organizations outside of their small countries say matters to them mm-hmm. right because a lot of small countries like Chile have very limited resources, so they have to see what is being said outside. And from yeah, it's true. It's been a mess. 
it's been a real mess. The mes- messaging from it, you have you have like medical officials in the White House, you have the White House administration, you have the CDC, and then you have the who, and then you have you know tons of organizations saying all kinds of different things. You can wear a mask. No, you shouldn't wear a mask. You should wear two masks. Actually, you don't have to wear masks anymore. It's like what the hell? Like I can understand people like what the hell is going on? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What the hell is going on? And also when you you have to remember like not everybody is paying attention at certain times to everything, mm-hmm. right? When you say mm-hmm. you have to wear a mask right now, suddenly people aren't wearing masks. Then you say, you don't have to wear a mask. Okay, I won't wear a mask. But when masks come back, maybe they're not listening, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, y- there should be just, honestly, since this thing has started, whether people should or shouldn't wear masks, the message should have been wear a mask all the time. Even when things got better, just wear it anyway until it's done, right? It's not that big a deal, really, right? It's not. It's like, not. Asians and, have been doing yeah, it for yeah. years, <laughs> going out into the streets with masks. I mean, and can it. I can play devil's advocate there a bit, and I can sympathize with. I I hate that I'm saying this, but I can sympathize with anti-maskers because, on some level, I do I do kind of hate the mask. Now, I totally understand it's. Used, I hate it too, and I, and I, it but when it, when we just heard in Ontario, yeah, you know, after the full reopening step. Uh, masks will be mandatory still indoors. And I was pretty butthurt about it. But, you know, you get over that feeling because you realize, hey, the pandemic's not really over. Okay, you say you sympathize with the conservatives on that. But here's the thing. aren't Again, aren't these the people of, like, the soldiers who stormed Normandy Beach are bitching about wearing a mask? Yes. You see what I no. mean about the bureaucracy? About how being tough and strong, but they ask you to wear a mask. Oh, it's uncomfortable. I don't like it. Yeah, it sucks. I agree it sucks. We all know it sucks. Yes. It's hard to breathe. You walk like 10 blocks and you you're, feel like you're going to pass out. It sucks. We all it know sucks. it sucks. It sucks. I guess it that's does. the thing is what I'm saying is that like I, I feel that for a few moments and then I realize, okay, but we need to do it for xyz and and in this this concept that like it was never about our health was is one of the things that you see sometimes it's like what was it about then oh, all God, these I, things are about health. No- i got i've gotten a few people telling me it's a conspiracy and like it's about taking power and i'm just like taking, taking power, power they already have power i i i, <laughs> I asked somebody who was who, who gave me this narrative about taking power and i said like taking power to what to make people wear mass social distance and destroy the economy and they said the idea is to destroy the economy so then they can take over everything i don't know i still don't get it It doesn't have a conclusion it never has a conclusion conclusion like uh, unless like unless the mastermind behind this was netflix because the only (laughs) streaming companies are the only ones who make oh yeah yeah man (laughs) right like that's about it unless this is a, a conspiracy by them i'm not convinced anybody was behind this because it doesn't benefit anyone this sucks it's it's been a catastrophe for economies in every part of the world it's crazy and on that note lalo why don't we put a pin in it um we've learned a lot today and we covered a lot of topics um we're gonna hop on a a, a spaces on twitter no one's gonna know listening because this is going to be released a little bit later but uh let's see what uh twitter space is talking about all right. All right. Well, cool. thanks for having me on, yeah. man. It's it's been it's been good. Before we leave, let's plug you again. Lalo Dagash on all social media platforms. Is that correct? Anything you're you're on, just look for Lalo Dagash and um I might I'm probably there. Sounds good. Follow him on Twitter, folks, and we will talk to you guys later. Take care.